0: Alright guys, welcome to today's episode of the podcast. I hope you all enjoy this one. I uh, I got to sit down and chat with Dustin and Nick from Buck and Strutton Podcast. These guys are awesome. We've hunted together in the past. They actually invited me onto their podcast. That was the first one that I had ever done that was not my own. But it was a lot of fun. And luckily these guys live here locally. So I got to sit down in person with them and record. And this episode went a thousand different ways. We went down some serious rabbit holes and it was so good. It was basically an hour and a half long BS session. I will warn you, there's a little bit of language in it, not much, but most of my episodes are pretty clean. So if you're used to that, just a fair warning, there's a few choice words here and there. Either way, we could have gone on for like three hours talking about absolutely nothing or about some stuff that had pretty good content. It kind of went in both directions multiple times throughout the show, but I want to sit down with them more often. I'm going to try to figure out a way to start like a third podcast between the two groups and then maybe we can just BS for hours at a time once a week. I think people would enjoy that. Anyways, I'm going to quit rambling. We're going to dive into this episode. Here we go. Like he was doing things that were just bad that was one of the coolest moments of my life. I was really scared, but knowing that Dan had the gun, I did have the rifle, like, we would be okay. All right, guys, welcome to today's show, and on the show with me today, I actually get to do it in person, which is awesome. Uh, I'm sitting here with Nick Bellis and Dustin Rector, and these guys reached out to me, what, like six months ago, maybe?
1: Yeah, about that.
0: Yeah, you guys contacted me about being on your podcast, and I was like, wait, you guys are local? This is awesome. Then we did a turkey hunt together, which turned kind of weird because your turkey hunting spot got hit by a tornado.
1: Yeah, that same day.
0: Yeah, so that was odd. It's kind of like a blessing. I know. (laughs) I was like, wait, like you guys could have got sucked up in a tornado today, and you're like, yeah, we probably would have. Yeah, we would have been
1: down in in some holler somewhere right where that tornado came through if we weren't out there hunting
0: with you. Yeah. I'm glad you didn't. You guys are awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's
1: not the way that I want to go.
0: No. I mean, it might be kind of, as long as it's not like a tree branch that impales you. But like if you got sucked up, I wonder how long you'd survive like floating in the air in a tornado.
1: See, with all my luck, I'd get like pinned down by something and I'd
0: die of like starvation because nobody could find me. Oh, yeah. Me. That would that would be the worst. Yeah. Yeah. That'd... Or
2: those bears you have on camera just like, <laughs> come through and take you out. Yeah. See, with my luck, I would have gotten impaled. But yet yeah, it would have lived for about another hour or two, only to see a big tom come walking by me at 30 yards. Oh, that would be the worst. What if it came and, like, spurred you? Like,
0: it just saw you and it was all strutted out and just started spurring you because,
2: I don't know, they're <laughs> territorial at that point.
1: You might be the only person that has died because a turkey spurred you to death.
2: I would hope you'd come back and avenge me. (laughs) That would be awesome, man. At the funeral, serve the turkey that killed him.
0: (laughs) Wow, this was the weirdest intro ever. But anyways, thanks for being on the show, guys. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. thanks for having us. Super glad to be here. Super glad.
0: Yeah, uh, we've been shooting some bows. I shot so poorly, and it was kind of embarrassing. You crushed it right away, except you... Butchered my target. Yeah, I ruined your target. I ruined your target.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Christmas, I'll hit you up, all right? All right, that works. So Nick,
0: <laughs> Nick, Nick's arrows have a tip that is just a little wider than the shaft of the arrow, and it got stuck in the target. And so we ended up having to do, like the old movies where, like in the Civil War, they dig the the um, musket ball it's, out of the dude's leg. That's kind of what it felt like. That's
1: definitely what it felt like. It uh, The blistering heat here in Missouri and... Digging arrows out of targets, I mean, what more can you ask for?
0: Oh, yeah. I'm I'm pouring sweat, and I think it's a combination of, like, being crazy hungry and being on an hour and a half of sleep. I just feel like I'm pouring sweat. I don't know if I'm even sweating. Maybe uh, I'm not. But this,
2: I'm the same way. Yeah. <laughs> this
1: morning was such a tease. You know, we, we all live locally, so it was a great morning. The weather was perfect. But oh, yeah.
2: We're just not quite
1: there yet.
0: I hate when you get the taste of it. Like I just, I got back from Alaska three weeks ago. That's gotta be hard. And then out West where it was like maxing out 62, 63 nights were like 40, 45, depending on where we were staying. And then I came back to 95 degrees and equal humidity. And I just question why I live here again. Yeah.
1: That thought, cause I just, uh, I just got back from a vacation up in Northern Michigan. Oh, yeah. Man, it was like 49 degrees at night. Perfect. 70 degrees, 75 degrees during the day. And no humidity. It's just beautiful weather. And you come back here and you're like, what the hell am I doing?
0: Yeah. I, I'm i a cold weather guy, mm-hmm. like 100%. My wife, not at all. She, She's cold all the time, and she puts off the heat of like an old furnace in a house (laughs) where it melts your face when you walk in. So like when we lay in bed, I'm instantly sweating and she's like, Oh, like just like cuddle me, give me a hug. And I'm like, no, I'm like sheets off, blanket off fan on full. And she's over there bundled up shivering. Yep. Yeah. That's I tell her all the time. I'm like, I don't want to see a 70 or a seven on the thermostat unless it is fall or is preceded by a five or a six. Like, that's the only time. It should never be 70 degrees inside of our house. We can control this. Yeah. It's no, unacceptable.
1: That, that, dude, that's exactly how my house is. It is the thermostat fight is forever ongoing. You know, like, it, we just, there's no reason it needs to be 70 degrees or higher in the house.
0: No. If you guys could have any temperature, like, if you were stuck with a low of this and a high of this
2: every day for the rest of your life, what would it be? Honestly, I'd give it a low of 35 and a high of 55. I like that. That's perfect for me. That is good. Yeah. It's cold enough in the morning. It's damn near a frost. It gets the deer on their feet. It makes turkeys gobble. It makes ducks fly. And then it's warm enough in the day where it's like, all right, a hoodie, a flannel, whatever. I'm feeling good. Yeah.
1: I'd have to go a high of 65 and a low of like maybe 45. Okay. Okay. Something I can take the hoodie off. I'm getting hot outside, but it's still cold enough that it's it's just beautiful.
0: See, I'm gonna I'm gonna change it up a little bit and I'm gonna go a low like ten degrees. Okay. And a high of seventy because then in the afternoon you could still go swimming. Yeah. And like feel like, man, it's a it's warm out right now but it's not warm to where you're sweating and uncomfortable and like you're having to change your boxers and shorts and t shirt three times a day, (laughs) but then you can appreciate the cold and maybe get snow every night. Like what if you woke up to snow every morning, but then could still go jump in the Creek in the evenings.
1: That'd be sick. That's awesome. That'd be sick.
0: I don't think that's
2: ever going to happen, but I don't know where we went. I went on a vacation earlier this year to Colorado. And when you started at the bottom of this valley, and I can't even remember where we we're at. I think it was it was right outside of Aspen. It was raining in the valley, but by the time you made it up to the mountain and you were crossing the Passover, it was snowing up there. So, like, that much elevation change is, yeah. like, the temperature is 20 degrees difference. <laughs> so, the western states.
1: Yeah. And that's – I don't know. You read a lot of these guys – we live in an age where you can access anything and everything. All these different hunting stories, and their stories are freaking awesome. Like you, you listen to them talking about how they're they're hiking up the mountain before the sun comes up to try to get on top of elk or whatever the case may be. But that just doesn't get me to the bones, is what chasing big big bucks, big whitetails do. You know, like that. And that's kind of where if I if I was to tell you I could only hunt one game species for the rest of my life hands down whitetails yeah hands down and I know that for probably you it might it probably isn't whitetails I
2: I don't know it's like I mean I've never hunted anything big game wise outside of whitetails so I mean it could change it could vary because I'm addicted I love anything with antlers but still yeah I. Whitetails, tails, yeah, i I will always have a soft place in my heart for them. See, that surprises
1: me, dude. I, I figured that
2: it'd probably be turkeys. I don't know. I can't. I can't favor one or the other. Like, oh, you can. You can pick white tails because <laughs> I hate turkeys <sighs> so much. Man, I love turkeys so much. They piss me off bigger than shit. But God, I love them. Because yeah. when you finally get one, it's just like, oh my gosh, I have won the ultimate chess game.
1: It's like a never-ending chess game. It is. You know, and that's... It is. We're two weeks away from whitetails, and I thought we'd be hunting whitetails, and I I thought we'd be done talking about freaking turkeys. But I'm a new turkey hunter. You know, I've only been doing this for like three or four years, and every year we go out. and I mean, we're getting closer and closer, it seems like, every year, but I just get my ass kicked. It's like I went like 10 rounds with freaking Mike Tyson Mm -hmm. trying to... Hobble out of the ring, I get. <laughs> uh, but it is interesting because reading some different books and talking to some some older guys, fall turkey hunting is something that it seems like it just kind of has faded. Nobody does it anymore. But they they all say that if you want to be a better turkey hunter, hunt turkeys in the fall.
0: That's interesting. I, I just, I don't hate turkeys or hate turkey hunting. I just haven't figured out what the big deal is yet. Right. And I think, I say this all the time, I think it's because I've never had one work like it's supposed to. Right. You know, I've never called one in and had it like fanned out and then capitalized. I've had them do that, but they've been like where we sat this year. Mm -hmm. I was pointing out the spot where the Toms came in the year before and were strutting three feet from me on the other side of the uh, property line. And, I just couldn't do anything about it because they were on the neighbor's property. On the flip side, I've killed turkeys, but they didn't come in traditionally. I have way better luck just walking around and, like, trying to cut them off and then sit and wait. Or, um, like, in one case, it wasn't even cutting them off and sitting and waiting. I just saw them in the woods, and my buddy's like, shoot that one. And I'm like, okay, And I shot it (laughs) and it ended up having a beard that was about three quarters of an inch long. And uh, it may have been like two inches, but he, they were in tall grass and he's like, dude, the one on the left, the one on the left, it's got a beard. It's got a beard. And I was like, okay, okay, that one right there. And like, I'm pointing at it and they're like, their heads are up and they're looking all over. He's like that one on the left, boom, shoot it. And I run over. I'm like, I just, I killed my first Turkey. I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. And I walk over And for real, like, that long. How old were you when you... 27? So,
1: turkey hunting is something that's kind of new. Yeah,
0: yeah, Yeah. definitely new. Okay. I I didn't turkey hunt at all growing up. It was, like, well after college. And someone was like, dude, let's go turkey hunting. And I saw so many turkeys in Wisconsin. Giant turkeys, huge toms. And I was like, I don't get it. Like just go and shoot your chicken, you know? <laughs> and people, people are just like, dude, I picked up turkey hunting, and I'll never hunt anything again. And I'm like, really? You're not going to hunt deer? Like, you, you're you going to choose a turkey over, over a deer. A deer yeah. And they are just die hard about it. I, and they're like, it's the interaction. I'm like, go duck hunting. I
2: and can agree. Yeah. I love duck hunting. Duck hunting around here, where we're at, hasn't been that great the past three or four years. But, man, when it's on, like, and I've never been to anywhere that's like crazy good like down South Arkansas, wherever in flooded timber, like pothole prairies, flooded cornfield or whatever. But no, when duck hunting's good, that is the shit. Yeah. They come in sounding like airplanes just getting ready for landing. And it's like 20 of them at a time.
0: I'll tell you, like I've had my heart beating through my chest on turkey hunts before, and it's been awesome. And I don't think it's anything to do with like the turkey itself I think it has something to do with how much people like pump turkey hunting up. Right? Have you ever been around someone who's like a diehard fan of a sports team, and they're always like, "This is my year, man! This is our year! Like we're gonna, oh, Oh, dude, we could go, we could go sixteen and zero this year." (laughs) And I'm just like, "No, you can't! It's not gonna happen! You have terrible draft picks. You were." like number 30 in the league last year yeah. and they're just so diehard about it. <laughs> and I've come across so many Turkey hunters like that. And I'm like, but really like, is this your year? <laughs> and so I, mean, I, I think that's that. the reason <laughs> I'm just kind of like, ah, all right, well, we'll give it a go. And it's growing on me. I do get excited for season, but I think I have more of a problem with the diehard. Like this is the only thing you should ever do again. Yeah. Type of people. And that's what's kind of put a bad taste for turkey in my mouth. It's
1: So before, really probably before this season, this uh, spring turkey season, I really could have cared less. You know, I I enjoy it. It was a reason for me to go hunting. But after the encounters this year, we had some great encounters. I mean, and that's where I have to give respect to that bird because it's smart. It's already super paranoid as it is. And the fact that, you know, I've taken time to perfect my calling and learn what to do at the right times. And old Thomas, I mean, just example, uh, in the spring, you remember it snowed. Mm-hmm. And th- that next morning, there's still snow on the ground. And I'm sitting out there and I'm like, man, this is freaking cool. Uh, Dustin, you were off someplace else. Mm-hmm. And I was by myself. And I mean, I worked this time in to probably 60 yards. I could see him through the brush coming, just kind of strutting back and forth. But he would not come in. And then finally, I think he got the right idea of, all right, I'm going to go over to the next ridge and gobble over there. And if you come, maybe we'll dance. Yeah. And I'm like, this is time after time after time after time. You bounce over to the next ridge, so now you're going up another holler trying not to spook them off that ridge. I You're just putting me in checkmate every single time. Every single time. It's I, a lot of fun, though.
0: That's a cool style of hunting. It like, is. all of my turkey hunting has basically been sitting, right? getting impatient because you see the birds and you know where they went, and I'm like, I'm not waiting all day long for these to come back. I'm right. just going to go after them, and if I don't get them, they're going to be back here tomorrow because they're dumb birds and they're creatures of habit, right? and a lot of people would be like, dude, they're not dumb birds. They're amazing. <laughs> I, I just, yeah, I think that... That type of approach would be a lot of fun seeing different scenery, but I'm hunting the same farm all the time. And I see these turkeys. They always come and eat my deer corn and it drives me crazy. I get like 20,000 pictures of turkeys on my trail cameras. Like anytime I put out any type of feed throughout the year, turkeys just come in and clean it. And I'm like, I just spent a lot of money on that corn, not for you. And I walked out here and it's not for you (laughs) and just leave it alone. And so I don't know. I think I get really excited about it because there's such a gap between any other season and turkey hunting. It's something to go do. Exactly. Yeah. I'm super pumped. And I'm curious how many people, I can tell you're just like ready I've to say some, got I've got something to say.
2: I've, got, I've been holding it in for a minute. i got something <laughs> to
0: say. He's about to jump across this table. You know,
2: there's the old quote, God gave the Irish whiskey so they wouldn't take over the world. Well, God gave man turkey hunting to humble the mighty whitetail hunter. Ooh. That's, that's, that's deep. That's good. It's Dustin yeah. Rector. That's, you heard it here first. <laughs> that Dang. That's deep. And that you made deep. that up? I just made that up in my head. Wow. Yeah, that's... That should deep. be on a T-shirt.
0: <laughs> that should be on a T-shirt, and it would be the guys who are diehard turkey hunters that would wear that. You see, that's the thing. Listen, Gole, I'm, I'm, not like, I'm not like the mighty whitetail hunter. I just like to hunt everything. Yeah, and I'm the same way. turkeys are the only species that i've found people being so nuts about Mm -hmm. Mm i mean you get you get it here and there with waterfowl but it seems like a lot of turkey guys are just crazy about it and i don't know
2: there's some about a sound it's more than just a gobble it's that Mm -hmm. when they start spitting and drumming they come in close and they dance in front of you and they start beating up on your decoy and you're sitting there and you're like all right you're five yards too far off my mark like come in just a hair closer and move over here just this much because I can't move because you'll see me if I move. Otherwise it just, yeah, it's, I think, I
0: think I'm going to give you like three years to really change my mind on Turkey hunting. All right. I can do it. Okay.
1: See, so that's, you'll have, you'll have to come out with us out there on the public out yeah. there. We're
0: going to watch the weather for sure. Yeah. I'm not oh, yeah. about to get sucked up. Like, if I died turkey hunting, oh, I'd be so mad. (laughs) I would be so mad. Like, let me get mauled by a grizzly. Totally cool story.
1: That's fair. Let me
0: get gored by an elk or trampled by a moose. Grizzly or mountain lion? If I had to fight one? Die by one. Man, I hate cats. (laughs) And so if I died from a cat, that would suck. But, like, if I... If I died right after I punched a grizzly in the face, like just, hey, dude, he got one good lick on that grizzly, and then the grizzly ate him in three seconds, I'd be happy with that. But But a a cat would just, like, shred you for a long time, I feel like. I don't
2: know. Them cats are supposed to go straight for the neck. Grizzly, they like to eat from the feet up. Oh, yeah, that would suck. That's something to think about. I feel like
0: one swipe from that grizzly, I'd probably be dead. Like... If it hits you one time yeah. with that paw, you're yeah. probably done. You're and then it would just eat you. Better or you're unconscious I mean, completely. Have you seen those things? Have you, have you seen the video of the uh, mule deer buck getting attacked by the bobcat or the lynx? Yeah. I Imagine that. being that animal and a cat comes and takes you out like that. Just like climbing on your back like a little kid. And you're like, hey, just stop, man. Like, I don't, I don't want to, like, play. Like, when my <laughs> son, if I'm in a bad mood, my son, like... Comes, he'll just like start punching me or like he'll he'll climb on my back and try to wrestle me. And I'm just like, dude, cut it out. Now imagine that with claws and teeth. That would drive me crazy. I think I would pick a bear.
2: Imagine being a forest goat with swords growing out of your head, only to get killed by something choking you with its mouth. That's like yeah, that's, four times less your size.
0: I really wish I this would be the coolest thing ever. And I'll probably get reported to PETA for it, and I don't care. Did you know the president of PETA's name is Dan Matthews?
2: No. Has, yeah. How uh, bad has there
0: does been that any suck?
1: Mix up with that?
0: No, I thought about messaging him some of my like recent <laughs> stuff, but I decided not to. Um anyways, I feel like the coolest thing ever would be if you had the UFC for animals. Think oh, for sure. That. Like imagine taking. I've, I've watched every cool animal video on the internet, I'm pretty sure. Have you seen the cow that gets killed by the goat or the ram? uh uh-uh. I don't think I have. This ram is, like, chasing the calf around, and this cow turns and, like, charges. And this ram just does the ram thing, hind legs, comes down, head to the cow's head, drops it like a sack of potatoes, man. Done. Like, Damn. dead on the spot. And I'm like, man, that's a brutal, that's a brutal animal. Like... That kind of force, if it hit any animal in the head, it would almost kill it.
2: Have you seen the goat and the white tail get into it? No. I and haven't. that white tail absolutely like big buck and this ballsy farm goat getting a standoff with each other. Oh, i not And have this white tail that is not having it. Mm-hmm. And he absolutely whoops ass and goes in there and gives him a run for his money. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. Can I'm you like, imagine yes. how, like if
0: you paired animals up? I know they've done it and it's like totally underground type stuff and they've, like, paired, like, a lion and a tiger against each other or a bear versus a tiger. Um, But could you imagine? Typically, one of them, like, gives up and tries to run away right away. Could you imagine if both of them were in, like, this is a fight-to-the-death mindset like the UFC fighters do, and you just throw them in a ring? Like, a grizzly bear versus a silverback gorilla. That's the one I want to see. You know? Yeah.
2: That's the longest debate ever, I think, on the Internet. Have you ever seen that? Or,
0: like, a polar bear versus a rhino. Ooh. Like, yeah, I mean, trust me, dude, I've thought about all the combinations. This could be the coolest thing
2: ever. I want to see a Wolverine and a mountain lion get into it. Oh, dude. That'd be wild. That'd be insane. Do you remember
1: that show? uh, I think it was Deadliest Warrior. Yeah. Even if they did something like that. Yeah. Like if they could run all the computer analytics or whatever.
0: Well, okay, so they did. They did, and it was called Animal Face-Off. Yeah, but and that show was... Yeah, it was really lame. Yeah. I was so pumped about it. I thought I was actually going to get to see, like, a crocodile and uh, a wolf fight each other. And yeah. it was just all computer generated, and I'm like, this is kind of dumb.
1: Yeah, yeah. They See, Deadliest Warrior did it right.
0: Oh, yeah. Like,
1: they did it right. They could spin that off and do it with these crazy
0: animal fights. Yeah, well done. Yeah. yeah. That'd be freaking cool. That would be cool. Anyways. what what's the toughest animal on the planet like if you had to pick one animal like and no other animal could take it out and i mean we got to exclude i feel like we have to exclude like an elephant okay okay because i mean there's no animal on the planet that one-on-one is going to take out an elephant right so yeah you're right so it's like what animal sub-elephant Would you pick if you had to bet like a million dollars that it would beat everything else?
2: Honestly, I'd pick Wolverine. That thing pisses on its own food for fun just to tell other people to screw off. Yeah. Like that's, that's ballsy. And then they fight grizzly bears for fun. Yeah. I have seen the videos where they'll like chase three
0: wolves off of a carcass or chase a bear Mm -hmm. or like they, they tree black bears. Yeah. Like, and we're talking like Alaskan, Black bears, maybe 600 pounds. This
2: 50 pound animal. Yeah. And can run like damn near 35, 40 mile an hour. Yep. Like insane.
1: That's absolutely terrifying. It
2: is. (laughs) I feel (laughs) I, this might
0: be a weird thing to say. I feel like X-Men did not do the Wolverine justice. Not, not the character, but the animal. Yeah. No. I'm like, dude, yeah. First of all, Wolverines can die, right? They don't regenerate. No, but Hugh but Jackman, also Hugh Jackman only, can Yeah. <laughs> but I'm like, the only thing you gave him was like steel bones or adamantium or whatever it's called. Yeah. Right? I'm like, that's what he's got. I mean, maybe strength, but I'm like, dude, the Wolverine. Like, you could just make the Wolverine look like a human. Yeah. As in, like, he could still be covered in fur and he would already be better yeah. than... The character what about the
2: teeth yeah
0: oh dude the they got teeth.
2: bone-crushing teeth
0: yeah imagine that imagine if imagine if in the x-men movie they go to pizza hut and then all of a sudden the wolverine character just pees on the pizza so nobody else it. <laughs> <sees them. laughs> That's like Deadpool crossover right there. Yeah, I mean, for sure.
2: Ryan Reynolds is going to hear this. He's going to have some fun with that.
0: I really hope he does, and I hope he comes and hangs out with us. Yeah, that'd be cool. I'd, I'd be down with that. I There's love that. There's another Deadpool. chair out here.
1: Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I, see, you talk about Wolverine. Okay, then what about the honey badger?
2: Dude, it's just the honey badger on steroids.
1: I mean, essentially so, yeah.
0: Dude, the honey badger, did you know it can flip like 180 degrees in its own yeah. fur? Yeah. So like if it gets bit on the back of the neck, it can flip around and still attack you with yeah. the full force of its claws. And That's teeth. insane. They're pretty crazy. I mean, those things chase off lions. Yeah, like it, they'll chase off a lion pride.
1: I am terrified of freaking snakes. Like uh, absolutely, uh, that did. would be the worst way for me to die. Right, that there, thing kills God.
2: cobras. Yeah, it'll freaking on the regular kill a cobra. Just nothing but disrespect. Could
0: you imagine having that animal? I would. I would make it my mission to like rid. Whatever region of the country I lived in, of snakes, just with trained honey badgers, yeah, that'd be so cool. I have like five of them, <laughs> yeah, and that's your sole job. That oh,
2: I want to see one of them take on uh, cotton mouth.
1: See, I think I think a cobra is worse than a cotton mouth.
2: I don't know, cotton mouths are pretty damn bad. I think cobra, I think it's the speed though, yeah, I think cobras
0: are just way wicked quick. fast, mm-hmm. I mean, super fast, and like yeah. mongoose, I mean, snakes. They're intimidating, right, like to people. Because against a snake, we can't really do anything except get away or use a weapon. Right. But to animals, like, dude, mongoose, those things shred them. Have you seen the video of the, the snake in the backyard and, like, the little Boston Terrier just tears the thing apart? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, like, the most unassuming dog I've ever seen, and it's just shredded a snake.
1: We had a dash hound. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, her name was Susie. Susie was a mean. I mean, man, dude, she was... We When we first moved down here to Missouri, we had like the six-foot black snake. And now I'm a little bit more educated. You know, black snakes are good. You want yep. them around to kill the copperheads. Well, she didn't like that black snake, and she tore it up. I mean, it was in like probably 16 different pieces by the time it was all said and done.
0: That's the coolest dog ever.
1: She was... She was bad. <laughs> <But> she was... <laughs> she was... She's a hell of a dog that, that, and that's like living down here in Missouri too. And that, even moving out West, talking about that with snakes, I would absolutely be terrified walking through the mountains and, and coming across all these different
0: rattlesnakes oh, yeah. flat out die. Uh, we ran into one in Arkansas, a big old rattlesnake. I didn't know they had them down there. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> Timber rattlers.
0: Yeah. And I went crazy. I walked past it. I was It was me, Drew, and my buddy Jimmy. And we were walking out, and I, walked, I was in the front of the line, and we're walking through these cane chutes, right? And so it's like you can't really see much on either side, and it's pretty narrow on the mm-hmm. feet. And so we're walking through, and all of a sudden, Jimmy and Drew come flying past me yelling. And I'm like, dude, what is going on? They're like, there is a giant snake back there. I'm like, how big? And they're like, it's as big as the one we saw yesterday, which we saw a big black rat snake. And I was like, no way. Like, was it black? I mean, it's probably that same type of snake. And they're like, no, this had patterns on it. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to have to take a look at this thing. So I go back, and as I get back there, I realize how close it was to the trail. It was that far off the trail, which is about a foot for those that can't see my hands right now, because I realize it's this. <laughs> podcast. Um, and I just, like, boom, snapped. I went crazy, ran over. I had dropped my pack before going back over there, grabbed my hatchet, cut down a cane chute, made a spear, and I came back, like, to take this thing out. And I, I, like, went for it once, and it struck, like, multiple times. But, I mean, I was six feet away from it. And I'm, like, trying to poke at this thing. And then it realizes, like, I'm just going to get out of here. And it went underneath this rock. And I wanted to kill it so bad because I thought in my head, like, that thing could have bit me right there. And I don't want this thing to exist on the planet anymore. Yeah. How far away from me from,
1: like, probably the nearest hospital?
0: Oh, I mean, we still had probably a 40 minute hike out. Yeah. And then from there, an hour drive to the hospital. Yeah, that's a bad time, man.
2: You're thinking if you're doing that much moving too, you're just pumping that venom in you mm-hmm. even yeah. more. Well, my buddy Brad, he
0: talks about it all the time because like when we frog gig, you know, there's cottonmouths and water moccasins around. Um, we frog gig and I'm always like, dude, I will kill any snake that comes near me. And he's like, honestly, snake bites aren't that bad. Like they'll mess you up if left unattended. But he's like, the worst thing you can do is, like, hurry. Right. He's like, you just have to stay calm, That's get it. to a hospital. He's like, we've had people come in after, like, 20 hours. And they're like, yeah, I just thought it would go away. I didn't know what bit me. Or I didn't know what kind of snake it was. And he's like, yeah, okay, like, this is starting to get bad. But he's like, you have a decent amount of time to get help after getting bit.
1: They say, They say nowadays, I mean, around here, if you get bit by a copperhead, you can you go to the emergency room? They're just gonna turn you
2: away, you know.
1: Yeah, take they some, just uh,
2: tell you to wait it out. Take Benadryl. Yeah, herb. take
1: some Benadryl or ibuprofen. Yeah. and that's it. But that when I was in the Marines uh, stationed down Camp Pendleton, we would go running in the mornings, and down these trails, you'd make it up. You know, halfway up the their version of a hill. I mean, it's nothing like around here. Th- those rattlesnakes, they would just stretch out across the trail, and you're like, well, all right, boys, the run got cut short today. We're heading back. And, I mean, those suckers were, like, probably, you know, six, seven inches in diameter. Like, holy hell.
0: I I, respect the states that allow you to kill rattlesnakes. Yeah. Like, there's rattlesnake season in Colorado. Yeah. I've seen one out there. It was really tiny. But my buddy goes out there, and they've got a property, like, more in the plains. Um, It's on the front range, but kind of probably – Forty minutes from the mountains, like the foothills, and they go out there and they've got like the whole snake grabbers and everything, and they catch rattlesnakes all the time. I'm I'm like, dude, way out. Yeah, I'm like, can you (laughs) bait? Is there like a way that can I stake a mouse to the ground and just sit there with like a gun, maybe from a really high stand? Because I just don't want to be on the on the ground near those things at all. Hard no.
1: That yeah. People make fun of me, man. Like, I am absolutely terrified of snakes. Oh, yeah. I have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I bought a pair of snake boots. And I, early season, you won't catch me out without them. Because that's worst fear.
2: The funniest damn thing was this past season. It was early. What was it? It wasn't even October yet. It was like the end of September. Yeah, and of September. we were walking the slogging road. And Nick, all proud, high, and mighty. He's trotting along in his snake boots, knowing he's invincible. Mm-hmm. they come walking right along and I was behind him about 10 yards. And I looked down at the ground, it's a black snake. And I was just like, Hey Nick, yeah, what's up? And I was like, look what you just walked over. And just the soul left his body. You just see my, <laughs> I just turned white.
1: Like I'm like sweating and I just turned straight white. And I, it's just a black snake. It's, it's not venomous, yeah. but dude, some people are scared of spiders. Some people are scared of bears. Anything that does the tongue thing, I'm out.
0: I won't touch a snake unless it's dead. Like, Even then, period. I'm not that okay. Actually, I got to take this back. I totally forgot about this point in my life. So I had a bunch of like weird fears, right? And I was like, I'm getting over these fears. One of them was the fear of snakes. I said I'm getting over the fear of snakes. I went out that day and bought a ball python. Are you serious? At the store. And I get there and I'm like, why am I here? Why is this a good idea? It's okay to be afraid of things. Like, I don't care about this whole, like, get rid of all my fears thing anymore. And my buddy Drew was like, no, dude, you're going to get it. And I'm like, okay. And the lady's like, this is the nicest species of snake. Like, you can have this thing, not worry about it, like, attacking you. The only thing you have to worry about is, like, feeding it in its terrarium Like, if you keep dropping food in there, like mice, it's going to associate your hand with food and maybe start striking. She's like, so what you do is you put the mouse in a separate container and then pull the snake out and put it in the container. So now it associates that with food instead of your hand coming in with food. I'm like, interesting, okay. This whole time I'm like, I don't even know why I'm doing this because, like, it's just going to sit there and (laughs) it's not helping me with my fear. And she's like oh, you have a fear of snakes? And I was like, yeah. She's like, well, put out your hand. I'll put it in your hand. And I'm like, yeah, no, not going to happen. And Drew's like, dude, I'll do it. And so he puts it out. And it she set it in. I mean, she picked it up like a ball. It was all coiled up. And she just set it in his hand. And he's like, all right, your turn. And I'm like, no. And he just, like, pulled my hand up and slid it onto my hand. I'm like, okay, take it off. Take it off. I'm done. Well, after having that snake, I did buy it. Brought it home, started feeding it mice, and it was the coolest thing ever. Everybody from college would come up and watch. They'd be like, dude, what are you feeding? So the snake's name was Rocco, and um, I don't know why I called it Rocco, but I would have these feedings, and I'd put it in a big, like, rubbermaid tote, and people would come up, and we would just watch, and that snake would hunt the mouse, and it was crazy, just whack. I mean, like, faster than you can blink, grab it, coil it up. And we'd watch it swallow the whole thing until one day I put the snake in the Rubbermaid container and it didn't eat the mouse. And I'm like, okay, this is weird. Don't know what's up with that. Take it, put it back in its cage. Next day I said, everybody come back tomorrow. I started having to feed this, this mice after a couple days of this, not eating the snake, not eating it. I started having to feed this mouse tortilla chips. And then finally I was like listen I'm not even going to I don't care if people see it this time I'm just going to put the mouse in the container and then put the snake back in its container and they're just going to live in there until it eats it. Like 3 weeks went by and I would walk in there it was the craziest thing I called so did you guys ever watch Rocco's Modern Life? Oh yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Okay so there's Rocco and then Hef is his best friend. So I named the mouse Hef. And so there's Rocco and Hef and Hef the mouse burrowed under Rocco's water dish and just lived under there and I would put tortilla chips in there every day for it and for weeks this went on I would come in and Rocco would be sleeping under the heat lamp and Hef would be passed out on its back and I'm like this is the weirdest thing until one day Hef was just gone and obviously met his fate but I was like this is the coolest thing I don't even know how I got on that story oh because snakes and I got over my fear of snakes. I, I can't believe you. But what a I got over my, f- I didn't get over my fear of all snakes. I just got over my fear of that snake. Cause if somebody else was like, Hey, check out my snake. I'd be like, dude, get that thing away from me. Want nothing to do with it. <laughs> but I got to the point, I have pictures on my phone, probably on my Facebook. Cause it was 12 years ago, probably where it would like crawl up my arm and it, it ended up getting like three, three and a half feet long. I'm out. It was pretty cool, man. I'm thinking about it now, and I'm like, that would be a cool pet to have again. You like, have it was a really here, cool. It? it was a really cool pet, but I hate other snakes. All other snakes. Oh yeah, so that, that I'm
2: out. I just hate summer. Yep. And walking through the woods when you're trying to get your summer scouting in, I hate spiders. Oh, god, spiders I hate spiders, for for them, dude, with a passion. Not happening. I hate them.
0: I, I take so. I took. Probably 30 spider webs to the face today. I bet. Oh, yeah. I had two doves that I shot that flew into the, like I shot, and then they like folded, and you know how they'll catch their wings, and they sailed into the trees. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to go in there, look for them, see if I can find them. Two, I only went after two, and I took like 30 spider webs to the face walking through those woods.
1: Whenever uh, whenever bow season starts, we have a spider stick. And as we're making our way into the woods, that stick just gets waved up and Mm -hmm. down. That way, nobody collects them on their face. You don't have a creepy eight-legged thing crawling all over you, you know?
2: Dude, that's the biggest disadvantage of having a beard. I got done glassing deer one night, and I was driving on my way home and continuously on my drive home. I'm pulling spider webs out of my beard. And I'm just like, you know what? It appears that you're probably living in my beard right now. So let's make things clear. As long as you don't screw with me, I won't screw with you. Yeah. Mm-mm. I named her Charlotte. <laughs> you named her Charlotte. That <laughs> lasted for about 30 minutes. I took a shower and she was gone.
0: Dude. You
1: actually <laughs> had a spider in your beard? I
2: say that. I probably oh, didn't. Okay.
0: But I don't know. The
2: spider webs were stopping.
0: No they say that spider webs are the best uh, karate instructor.
2: I can see it. I can see it. Yeah.
0: You just walk in and all of a sudden you're like karate master. Just yeah.
1: <everywhere>. Yeah, if like you're walking through the woods and you just can't hear anything, you for sure would think that you're just doing like a routine of uh-huh. taekwondo throughout the forest. Yeah. Exactly.
2: I'm Ip, I'm Ip Man of the Deer Woods.
1: Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and somehow that is that is something that I rarely get touched by spider webs.
2: Yeah, because I'm always the one in the front.
1: Even then. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we
0: just had this conversation that today. Is, that, like that is true. When we go, like if anybody goes biking, there's always that debate in the morning like who's going first because you know you're just going to get a face full of spider webs yep i just don't go biking and that's i'm like i'm done with that i just wait for dustin to grab his tree stand first and then let him walk that's a good idea i wonder if they could make i mean i say like invent something it's literally just a stick that you hold in front of you that's the invention for a spider web like to take it out
1: you could for sure come up with something that you like mount on your chest that like sticks out. People would buy
0: it. They would buy it, but yeah. I would—I just have too much pride to wear that. <laughs> Can you imagine like walking through the woods and you're like all <laughs> decked out in your camo and you've just got this weird like unicorn yeah. thing coming out of your chest.
2: Now the mosquitoes, I'll take them. The spider webs, I bitch about them. I'll take them. I hate with a passion horseflies oh yeah i yeah. i mean if if horseflies were people i would hunt them down and i would kill every last one of them yeah because it's nothing's worse than being chased by a horsefly but it's nothing worse than that than being stuck on a two foot by three foot platform 17 feet high well this is a long jump down and i'm not climbing that fast yep and getting harassed by horseflies in the tree stand, I hate it.
1: That's probably the only time I've ever seen you move real quick.
2: Yeah, is when I I hate them. Yep. Just nasty ass freaking things. You know,
1: like we're we're talking about all these different things, but in two weeks it's about to be happening. Right? The horse flies, the spiders, the snakes, all to chase whitetails.
2: Yeah, it's worth it.
0: You're damn right. That's why you love turkey hunting so much. That's why. Yeah, it's it's cold <laughs>
2: enough in the morning. Nothing's really come back there. yet. Yeah. About to bring me full circle here. So
0: that's why they
1: turkey it all makes sense now. Yeah. It all makes sense. We're
2: kind of pussies. Yeah. (laughs) That might be true. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Snakes are the only thing for me. Yeah. That you got horse flies and
0: spiders. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. All right, guys. If you enjoy this show and you want to know how to make your own, I'm going to tell you about something called anchor. It's an app that I've been using ever since I started, and it's completely free. Like I said, I've used it from the get-go, and I haven't had to pay a single penny to distribute my podcasts through this app. They've got creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone, tablet, computer, so you don't have to get a bunch of fancy equipment in order to get started. Now, you can also add songs directly from Spotify into your episodes. So, I mean, you can create whatever you want, something that nobody's ever heard before And it's so easy. Just click and drag. Anchor is also going to help you distribute your podcast. And so you don't have to upload it to all of these different platforms. Anchor can be that central hub that your podcast goes out to all of the other platforms through. And you can make money without any minimum listenership. So, I mean, you heard that right. You can actually start making money right away, no matter how many listeners you have. So what I'm getting at is it's basically everything you need. To make a podcast all in one place so go and download the free anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started all right let's talk about hunting okay (laughs) dude we've just been on like a 40 minute rant just about every type of animal yeah and yeah we've covered a lot of animals yeah just about but we're only two weeks away i mean two weeks and we will be archery hunting whitetails. Yeah, I can't
2: wait. I can't either.
1: I and it's exciting. So so this year, typically, you know, we have cameras out, and for all the listeners out there, we hunt. All we hunt is public land. We don't have access to anybody's private. Haven't really asked. the um, The public land game is there's a lot of adventure, and we have a lot of fun getting back in there. But we have not put any cameras out. And some people are like, what the hell are you doing? You know, year, the last probably two or three years, we put these cameras out and we find ourselves being lazy to a point, you know, hunting where we put the camera, where we've got pictures of the deer. And by the time we actually start putting two and two together, like, oh shit, we need to be moving. We need to be hunting the hot sign. It's somewhat too late. So we completely are scrapping that and going to force ourselves to get out there and scout, scout, hunt, scout, scout, hunt. And uh, I mean, it's just kind of like thinking about it. A lot of people are just that way of hunting is kind of, it's kind of lost and people want to bring everything to them and hunting where they think that they should be when you need to be, especially on public ground you need to be hunting where the deer are actually at. So it'll be the first couple of weeks we're probably gonna be like, what the hell or why did we do like we have it's still early season, we have no idea.
0: But see, I couldn't do that. I think trail camera pulls are so important to me. Like mm-hmm. I just love that. Yeah. I would just say, hey, I'm still going to put trail cameras out, but in an area that I'm not going to hunt. Right. That way I can just see the pictures. I like
2: doing that because then I'm going to start Xing out areas where it's like where am I going to hunt and where am I not going to hunt because don't get me wrong, one season's going and whenever I'm going to be putting cameras out then at that point, you know, travel corridors, benches, wherever the case may be, But then I'm going to look back on that either within the season itself or I'll save that information for the following year after that. And I think, you know, going from an approach like that, I think that's a really good way. Plus, too, like Nick was saying, you know, getting out there, not even having a camera or you go into a place fresh like you've never even been there before. One thing I think people, there's a misconception about is, say you're going into a new area and you jump a bunch of deer or you just, you jump one or two, whatever the case may be to where you want to put your stand up for the night or that morning. Well, if there were deer already there and kind of my theory or my take on it is one of the things I love doing scouting a new area is purposefully going in and jumping deer. Yeah. Cause you're catching deer off guard at that point. And if they're off guard they're they feel safe. Because they're not worried about you. They weren't even thinking about you until you showed up within 50 yards of them. Yep. So, I mean, in that case, like, if you jump deer and you get close to them, if you can be quiet about it and set your stand up pretty much right about where you're at, if you have a good place to set, deer are generally going to come back. Because, one, they're more curious animal than anything. They like to investigate. So, they come back around. I mean, they may not get right within range for you, but... Chances are, usually I've had a couple instances where I've jumped up deer, like say a small group of those, and usually they come back within an hour. Right.
0: Yeah. What the, do they call that? Isn't is it called like the jump and dump? Have you heard that term? Bump and dump, or bump and dump, bump and dump, yeah, yeah.
1: And whenever whenever season starts, you know I'm gonna have a camera on my body, and yeah. I I'll put it up where there's hot sign. I just. We were talking about that, and
0: I don't know why. When you said I'm going to have a camera on my body, I just thought of like I don't know. It just sounded <laughs> funny. Too.
1: I'll have a trail open
2: to camera. interpretation. I'll, That's it.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll clarify. I'll have a trail camera in my backpack. What okay, <laughs> okay, that
2: makes sense. Only fans or fans only <laughs> hunters only. <laughs> It's going to be on my body at all times. <laughs> at all times.
0: I, yeah, I thought of, like, a camera pointed at your body. I know what you mean. Though. <laughs> yeah. For, I just, I don't know why I had to throw that in there. Because this this episode's wild Anyway, It is it's wild. Awesome. It
1: is. And that, you know, like, when we start getting out there, and it, we have spots. We know that there's spots that we've hunted the last few years that whenever the acorn mass starts really getting hot and heavy, they'll come through there. But we're hunting a national forest that's hundreds and thousands of acres. How can you not feel pulled to go and check the rest of it out?? Yeah. You know and you know you know that most of the people that live around here are not going back in that far. Yep. So what monsters are living back there?
0: It's always the allure of what's over the next ridge. Exactly. What's behind the tree that you can't see or in the meadow that's down below the horizon or like below the hill you're on? I, I think about that all the time, like even just hunting the same property basically all year long, mm-hmm. I'm always thinking like, man, I wonder what that guy's property looks like right yeah. now. You can just, you can imagine that big buck hanging out right there and it's right. like, if only I could hunt there.
1: And you know, it, it, it's funny because I think probably if you cut it down the middle, it probably would be, there's an even amount of times that we've went that extra distance and found massive freaking rubs, mm-hmm. massive scrapes, massive sign, you know, big old, what we can assume to be buck beds. But then the other half of the time they've outsmarted us all and they're just on the hillside yeah. off the road. Over Sometimes
2: they're right next to the road. Like this one place I've scouted here's a few weeks back. It's like, I mean, some of it you can't even hunt, but yet you can walk through it. And going through there, there was a guy I passed on the way in he was on his way out and I walked through where he just came because it's like a big loop in there and this one little small piece of the parcel saw a pretty interesting looking little bowl that had a lot of good like small timber in it enough to where you could walk through it your shoulders could fit through it but it's like it's head high and not even but 20 yards past this like small dried up pond at the edge of this bank, this huge 8, nine, ten, eleven, 11, whatever he was, sitting right there in the shadows, jumps up, bails off out of the woods, takes off, and I'm over here like, damn, that's actually one of the bigger bucks I've probably seen on the hoof. Like, to get that close to one, too, and it's such a – just – it's so smart because we overcomplicate everything. As, yeah. as hunters, we do. Oh, yeah. It's like, all right, I need to go 500 yards over here because – this is the hardest place to get to. No, this is like the easiest spot to get to over here. If I'm a big buck, why am I going to waste the energy to get up over here when I don't know what's coming for me, when I could just, oh, this is all flat ground over here.
1: you literally watching the parking lot.
2: Yeah. Plus, too, and by rights, no one can shoot me here.
1: Right. And they, I, I'm a firm believer, too, that they figured that out. You know, just like oh yeah, they figure out. And there's this big debate, private land bucks versus public land bucks. I think they're equally as smart, but I think the pressure on the public land bucks or deer in general, you know, their senses are always heightened. Like They they never rest. And it, it really, it makes you think your access points, you get to a spot because I've had this happen of slamming my truck door. Walking into the woods, well, I just slammed my truck door, so everything, that's not a natural sound. Yeah. So everything knows I'm here. Did I just ruin my hunt? Or who knows what was bedded on the other side of that ridge, or who knows what watched me walk in? And that's the other thing, too, that, you know, down here in Hill Country, it's such a freaking beast to tackle because you have all these ridges, all these prime time bedding spots, how many times have we walked in and we've walked right past within 100 yards of a big old mature buck bedded right out on the side but he didn't move and he just watched us the whole entire time yep it, and that's where this season I I just I want to be more mobile you know I want to be and I we've been very mobile the last few years you know and uh, but I want to take that to the next level and perfect my craft as a woodsman and hunt the sign and really try to chase them that way. Right.
2: I think one of the hardest things too is fully predicting, you know, you can have like a locked tight access, easy route, whatever it is just for you to get in your stand. And, you know, I mean, other than outside of the rut, it kind of depends on how heavy your scent is. But it's like, if you have to, I really don't like to cross the travel route of a deer if I don't have to, Right. to get to a specific tree, to get my stand in, just because I like the position of that tree. I like how my stand sits in it. I like the view that I have, you know, my shooting lanes, but it's like, I've been proven wrong so many times. It's like, I literally just walked through there and I came in off the steepest part of this ridge side only for a deer to cross my path, right where I just walked. And all they got to do is have that nose within about two foot of the ground and just take one big, oh, shit. He's here. Something's not right. Mm -hmm. And immediately they look up and those ears perk straight up and they start looking around and they're like, "Uh, this isn't right. Something's not right. And then there, you're just thinking, I literally just, no, no. Why would a deer walk over there when the flat is right over here below me? Like, why? And it it just, it baffles me every time. It's like one of the craziest things I've ever seen. And it was the day before this last rifle season. I'd shot a small buck, and I'd fill my buck tag for before rifle season hit. And it wasn't big at all, but I was tickled shitless with it.
1: Yeah, don't take credit from that, though, you know, like, Right, that I got to go on a rant here real quick. <laughs> but, okay, <laughs> I got to go on a rant. Remember what you're going to say, Dustin. But I hate the outdoor industry has like gotten this big perception of of big bucks, and who gives a shit? You know, kill what makes you happy. Yeah. And around here, a one thirty down in our neck of the woods, a one twenty is that's a hell of a deer.
2: Yeah, I got the opportunity like a. 130 probably somewhere in that range and you know it just wasn't in the cards it wasn't it wasn't meant to be and then come around a month and a half later you know scrappy the little shithorn deer come walking through and i was like you know what you bet your bottom dollar 20 yard broadside shot hell yeah i'm gonna take this taste the same yeah and i hiked all the way back in there for that and i was like you know what i'm gonna go ahead i'm gonna go for it but that same morning though it was crazy because I overslept that morning too, and I got out there. It was already daylight. And I was like, "Cool, I got to walk through the dark." I hate walking in the woods in the dark. Hair stands it. That is my fear. Really, walking in the woods in the dark, I hate it. Interesting. I, I don't know what it is. I just especially if if I'm, if I'm with someone else, I'm good with it. If I'm by myself, I'm just like, "Okay, what kind of Wendigo go bullshits out here today?" <laughs> I'm about to go full Geralda Rivia on your ass. All right, <laughs> like I. I feel like
0: that, for me, that's almost, it's like your senses are more, more heightened when you're like walking at night. You yeah. hear more sounds. Uh-huh. You're more aware of your surroundings, although you can't see. I don't know. There's something about that that's like, kind of
2: thrilling to cause me. Because I can hear a squirrel in the dark and immediately be like, freaking Sam Squanch is behind the oak tree over here getting ready to just jump out on me yeah that that that's my fear did but, something happen to you as a kid like what, in the woods no, I mean no <laughs> I mean I got lost once or
0: twice but I found my way out but like, I would not like just looking at you and knowing that you're an outdoorsman I would have not picked up on that at all
2: yeah I mean I I'll just like grit my teeth I'm like all right you know what I, no the one thing that deterred me that changed my life forever I went go hunting one night by myself and I'm up in my stand I'm like down up huge, I call it Big Ridge is the spot's name. I'm down a big hill across a holler on the point off this next ridge straight over. Five minutes left of daylight pretty much and I'm enjoying myself. There's does moving way down in the bottom. I can see them. There's squirrels, the birds are chirping. It's a pretty evening, the sun's setting. Back behind me, I don't know how far, Is pretty good ways away, I hear this scream. Like blood-curdling girl scream, and I'm just like, oh, my gosh. I'm like, that is some sort of cat. And I'm like, all right, I'm out. I'm in a climber, and I get my way down the tree. I'm like, you know what? My climber can stay at this tree for the night. I'll come back for it tomorrow. Is it still there?
1: What? Is that climber still there? I don't
2: know. (laughs) I have family who lives down there. and One of them may have got it.
1: Yeah. I just – you never I don't, take it out of the woods. I,
2: yeah. Well, when you walk out and you go a different route and it's like, oh, there's deer carcasses all over the damn place. And you're just like, holy shit. I, yeah, I'm out.
0: I'm out. That- My uncle got followed out by two mountain lions up in Wisconsin. God. He, <laughs> was, he was in his stand and it was about an hour before sunset or an hour before legal shooting lights, So mm-hmm. 30 minutes before sunset. And he looks out and at about 100 yards, he sees this, He sees a mountain lion walking through the woods. And he called his brother, who was also hunting this public uh, property. And he's like, dude, I'm walking out. I'm not waiting until dark. There's a big cat in here. I'm coming out now. So he climbs down, and he starts walking. And he looks over, and he sees the mountain lion again. And he said it was about 100 yards through the woods to his left. And he kept keeping his eye on it, and he heard something to his right. And he looks over to his right, same distance, another mountain lion. And he said it didn't seem like they knew he was there. Mm -hmm. It just happened that he was in between two of them. And he made it back. They they went back later the next day, found prints, took pictures, brought it to the DNR. The DNR is like, oh, there's no mountain lions here. Then after multiple more accounts of people seeing mountain lions, they finally admitted.
1: Why do they deny this? I
0: don't know. I don't I understand. Don't either. understand. Like, just be up front. It's, you're hunting. Yeah. In the outdoors, there's wild animals. Right. Just tell people. I don't know if they're afraid that, like, the use, like, the amount of use that a property gets is going to go down if they do that. In my mind, in I'd be like, man, that's awesome. Yeah, like, right. I want to see a mountain lion. I I don't know that I'd
2: want to walk out at night with one, but I wouldn't mind seeing one. I think it'd be awesome. Like got to see my first black bear this past season. And that was 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 quite the cool experience because at first, like I looked up over about a hundred yards and I just see a dark spot working its way through the woods behind a tree. I'm like, Oh, there's a Turkey up there. I thought it was a Tom big and dark. I was like, hell, if it walks by here and I got a tag in my pocket, I'm going to shoot it. Then all of a sudden I look back over and I was like, "Jesus, that's a bear!" And I turn around, and Nick's at the back side of the tree because we're hunting tandem style. And I'm like, "Nick, there's a bear over there. Ain't no damn bear over there." Pulls up his binos. Holy shit, that's a bear! And here it comes walking through. And that's the creepiest part about it is you could not hear its footsteps at all. Just silent. That's wild. The whole way. I in. mean, I mean, three hundred. Yeah, no, three hundred pound animal like coming in dead quiet. Four
0: feet. 300 pounds. Yeah. And it's silent.
2: And that's,
1: I wasn't, and that we got out of there pretty early that night too. Yeah, we did. I mean, and that's, I don't, I'm not really worried about a a black bear attacking me in the middle of the woods. But what if we bump it and startle it? I mean,
2: you know, one of these big males. 300 pounds is 300 pounds. Yeah. I don't know. I look, it was like a, it was a sow too. I'm pretty sure. It was a sow and long, skinny head and, yeah. Big rump on it, but like I'd rather
1: not roll the dice on that.
2: You get one of these, I'm not a lucky person. One of these big males yeah. around here, it's like 450 or buck and more. Like big set of shoulders on it. Yeah, they're yeah. forced to be reckoned with. Do you think?
1: Because we we've talked about this, you know, this quote unquote fear of the dark kind of thing, and I think like that's got to be something that's just ingrained. Because you talk to a lot of people, hunters and you can eventually get them to say, yeah, you know, the dark, it, it makes me feel uncomfortable. If that's something that just goes way back to like our ancestors living out of caves and stuff that, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, when it got dark out, you were in that cave because there's something big and bad out there that's going to eat you. And whether that's like genetically in us just
0: still there. Yeah. I think part of it is probably that like, just as we've adapted, like that's kind of stuck with us some mm-hmm. primal instincts. And then I also think that, our sight is like the number one sense for people. Yeah. You know? And so when you take that away, it, it makes you almost feel helpless. Mm -hmm. Like imagine trying to do any task without being able to see what you're doing. Like, Imagine just trying to clean your house with the lights all off at night. When I walk to the bathroom at night or like if I wake up and my kids are like crying or something in the middle of the night and I have to go to their room, I'm like walking slowly through the house. I don't want to turn all the lights on. Mm -hmm. Plus I wear contacts. And so I don't have my contacts in at that point and I can't see. And so it's like the place that I spend the most amount of time and it's small. It's not like I'm having to walk across a mansion. My house is 600 square feet. And I'm like walking through, and I'm like hands out, and I'm yeah. like, "What's going to be in the middle of the kitchen that I have to worry about?" Nothing. See,
2: I'm more afraid of stubbing my toe in that situation. Oh than yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I've done that my share of times, and
0: I yeah, I hate it. Well, and and for a guy, there's a lot of things that are at the wrong height. Yep. Yeah. You know,
2: a like corner on a countertop. is just countertop the right table, height to edge of a ruin chair. The day.
0: Yeah. That, someone didn't think <laughs> that through. No. no you imagine if it was like up here
1: like on your shoulders
0: the countertop
1: no the just thing that
2: that's oh yeah just, yeah just that pain the equivalent to it yeah. that feeling
0: just the anatomy of that yeah be, yeah, yeah not yeah that'd be weird for be sure really weird. that'd be just but it's only weird be, as... it, it's a, it would only be weird because we're used to where it's at the way it is now
1: yeah. that and that's what do you use a headlamp going in
0: it depends it depends. Yeah. Um, I'll use a headlamp for a certain distance. So from where I park to where I sit in my tree stand, it's probably eight to 900 yards. It's property that I'm familiar with. Right. But when I'm in the dark, I've seen way too many skunks up close on my walk in and out of the tree stand. But my last chunk of, my walk is through bean field mm-hmm. and I don't worry about skunks in the bean field as much. Cause I never see them there. They're always in the cattle pasture or in the Creek bottoms. And so I'll, I'll keep my headlamp on on the dimmest setting until I get to the bean field and then I'll flick it off and then I can just follow like just by feel the, the rows of beans right. and I can get it all the way to my stand and there's still always light outside, you know, so you can still make stuff out as you as you get close and so that's kind of my strategy for it but like I climb my tree completely uh lightless um get all
2: set up that way I usually like climbing a tree like right at gray light yeah where you can not have to use a lamp and you can see like just enough where you're seeing right in front of your face that's all the light you need right there yeah
1: and that and that typically you know like the beginning you're kind of just kind of busting the rust off of getting into a tree because you haven't done it in X amount of months hanging a hang on. But by the time we get to October, I mean, it's like a 10 minute process. Yeah. And that's, it, we, I always use a headlamp. I don't, I don't know why, because I'm not really scared of the dark per se, but when we're going in someplace that's unfamiliar mm-hmm. at that, I don't know, it's something. And I might have it on the dimmest setting. But I've, I and I can't think of a time that my light has bumped deer.
2: Yeah, I think of only one instance where I can say that it definitely threw one off guard. Yeah. I had old doe walk in as I got right to my tree. And I still had my headlamp on. And it was dark. And I'm starting to get up about two sticks high. And a ways away, she just... I mean, I'm moving, but slowly and carefully and cautiously. But she's watching me. And I turn my light off. Because I can tell she's over there. And she starts stomping. I turn my light off. She quits stomping. And I still proceed to hang another stick. And she's just starting to mosey around. And it gets to the point, okay, i got to hang my stand now. And this is the part I really need to be careful with. I put it on the dimmest setting I can she starts stomping again and she blows. I finally get in my stand, turn my light off and she starts moseying back around again, doing her thing. And then finally, yeah, she come daylight. She just wandered off.
0: I feel like with deer, I, I actually spoke with the guy in Wisconsin and he created his own trail cameras. Like he just modified some, he was good with small electronic stuff and he uses real flash on his trail cameras. Mm-hmm. And he's like it doesn't I I don't see any change in deer activity with the real flash. And I was like, "All right, well this guy he runs an outfit where they kill monsters every year. I mean, he's hunting thousands of acres. It's all leased properties from farmers, but then he has clients that he'll go put in a stand. And he knows what he's doing. I mean, he's got some seriously amazing deer out there. But I think I think more than light I think deer get spooked if you act like a predator.
1: I think you're right. If
0: if all of a sudden you stop Mm -hmm. because you see it, I mean, that's, what do predators do? Like think about, think about a big cat or a coyote. You're stalking. All of a sudden it's like, boom, it perks up, it's staring at you. You're just acting abnormal. It would be the same thing if, if you and I were walking somewhere and all of a sudden you just stopped and like started looking a certain way. I'd be like looking over there, what's going on? Why? Why is this guy acting weird? And I think animals pick up on that because they obviously have to differentiate between predator and prey all the time, right? And know what's dangerous and what's not. And so, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I I guess if I had to, if I had to say like for certainty one way or another, I wouldn't think that light really affects deer that much. I always thought it did with coyotes, with mm. bobcats, and then I see guys that use real spotlights instead of red lamps and they go out and have just as much success and so I don't know I'm sure there's a study out there yeah I'm sure there is I'm sure there's multiple studies on it
1: I mean even just like the vision aspect because that was something that we were kind of looking into learning about deer vision and what they mm-hmm. actually see because it you you always hear these stories about guys we're, we're told you need to be like 20 feet up in the air but then you hear these crazy stories about how these guys are killing deer at forty eight
2: six foot. Forty eight inches off the ground. Yeah. Four foot. Yeah. Like with recurves. Some
1: crazy stuff that I mean, that's the cards they were dealt, and that's as high as they could get. But they were able to yeah, Barry, accomplish that. Barry is
2: a huge proponent of oh, sitting yeah. low to the ground. And I, he's shooting Boone and crocodile at fifteen yards. I
1: think at the end I think at the end of his bow hunting career that's all he was doing. He wasn't I, sitting very high at all.
2: I think the biggest factor when trying to work your way around deer is movement Mm -hmm. from the time I got taught how to hunt deer. And some of my first full on just balls to the wall deer hunts was okay. We haven't seen anything for two hours. We're going for a walkabout. What's a walkabout. That means we're going to probably go about 1500 yards and we're going to walk as slow as we can the whole way through and doing so. I mean, you can get, it's crazy how close you can actually get to a deer just by limiting your movement, going tree to tree very slowly. And that's like back one of the coolest things I got to witness this past season. The day I killed that buck was getting into my tree. I'd walk slow the whole way through just inching along so much at a time, finally getting up to my tree, you know, getting really slow and steady into it. I'm like two sticks high at this point. And my bow is just right below my feet. I hear something behind me and I look back behind me on this logging road and I see a doe walking. And she's moving at a pretty good pace and her tail's up. And I'm like, oh, she's definitely, she's hot to trot. And then I hear something again. And I look over my shoulder and I just see another tail. And I look over my other shoulder and I see antlers. And I'm like, oh shit. And I'm like, they're like 40 yards right now. If they move around down here in this bowl. If I'm slow enough, I can continue to grab my bow and maybe shoot one if they come down my way. Well, I'm pretty sure the buck that was with the doe, he wasn't big. I'm pretty sure it's the same buck I'd shot that morning. He'd come back through looking for other does that had crossed through earlier that morning by the time I was already in my stand. But yeah, just deer vision is a lot better than what people give them credit for. I think the biggest things is like, oh, deer can hear very good because they have sonar like satellites for ears and their nose. And that sense is so acute. They can smell. What is it? A hundred times better than a human can.
1: I don't remember. 70 to a hundred. They can smell better than a dog,
2: right? A bloodhound. Yeah. I mean, but they're not often credited enough for their sight. And that's one of the things too. I've, I can't remember if I read it or I watched it in a video somewhere. If you have a deer in front of you, say close. And whenever you have to move or do anything, you know, I think it was, you want to move as vertical as you can possible. You don't want to make horizontal movements because deer and them being an ungulate, the plane that they see on, they're more prone to detect horizontal movement than they are vertical. Right. Cause their eye, it can't move up and down. They got to tilt their head if they're going to look at you up in a stand. But if you're yeah. ground eye level with them, all I got to do is switch one way and they can see you with both eyes, not as clear, but if they look this way, they can still see you pretty good. Yeah. Deer are just,
0: they're the greatest, most frustrating animal out there. They really are. It's like you you try to figure out what it is that you can do to get a a deer on the ground, whether it's a doe or a big buck or a small buck. You try to figure it out, and you think you might have it dialed in, Yeah, and then you get humbled the very next time out. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because a lot of guys have like, this is how you do it you have to follow the moon phase and you have to follow uh-huh. the barometric pressure or you have to use this scent or the scent killer. You have to wash your clothes in a separate dryer and, or washing machine and dryer. You have, I mean like they just go through all of this stuff and there's no one, if you want to be the best deer hunter on the planet, go and hunt high fence over bait. Yeah. That is the only, like, sure way that you are going to kill a big buck every time you go out. Yeah. Other than that, there are a thousand different methods that you can do. But it's all about, like, the more that you can know the animal you're pursuing, the better chance you're going to have. Right. And so it's cool that you guys were researching deer sight and figuring out exactly what they see. Um, The smell thing, I'm like, there's nothing I can do that's going to be... be the oh, deer's no, nose. No. The best thing in my mind, I don't, I don't do any scent control whatsoever. I go out in the, I go out in the field every time I check trail cameras. Don't scent up. Um, I just go, and I'm out there so much. Yep. I really do believe that the deer on that property, they get accustomed. They're to just you. used to me and don't mm-hmm. think of me as a threat right now, and I'm cool with that. I see it at my house walking down the driveway. I'll be walking with my kids, my wife, and a dog. And a deer will step out on the driveway at 40 yards and won't even really react to me. They're so used to me out there. And, yeah, I think you have to figure out the deer in your area. I think it's different in each area. And then figure out what you need to do for that specific situation on that specific day. Mm -hmm. And the wind side of it, I'm like, nothing beats wind direction. No. Wind and thermals will trump. It trumps everything. Period everything yeah when you're talking about a hundred times better than a human right if you had scent killer on and you you know wash your clothes the right way and you chew like scent-free gum that's supposed to like take away your breath and all of this different stuff and i walked up to you and sniffed you i could smell something yeah and if their scent is a hundred or sense of smell is a hundred times better you're not you're not doing anything it's a no-brainer you might help yourself a little bit, mm-hmm. but if they get downwind of you, they're going to smell you.
1: It's all tools for the toolbox kind of thing. Yeah. You know, like all these different barometric pressure, the moon phase, all these different products. I mean, it's like hang-ons and saddles. Yeah. That's the big debate nowadays. But it's all, there's a time and a place. You know,
2: it's a...
0: You have to figure out what's realistic to stack the cards in your, or stack the deck in your favor. Exactly. Right. Within reason. I
2: think that comes down, and it's like, in my mind, from this past season and going forward in this season and the season after that, the biggest so-called, like, there's certain methods that people have or they develop. The method I'm going with is the KISS method. Keep it simple, stupid. Yep. Like, it's literally, don't overcomplicate anything. It's a deer. Deer do the same thing that deer do 365 days a year. Now, there is a... On some days, there's a magical little whim where it's like, I've never seen a deer do that before. But, I mean, on the average, like, they're a survival-oriented animal. Like, they're going to do everything with a purpose, and they do that day to day. If you can figure that out, you know, your chances of seeing deer are going to drastically increase. And if you're seeing deer, then from there, figuring out, Now, how do I access this without deer detecting me or my scent? And how do I get in range to shoot one? Yeah. And then from there, it just comes to a matter of, are you capable of shooting one? Yeah. I think, I think everybody has to focus on what
0: they know and what they've learned. And yes, you can take bits and pieces from what other people have done. Right. But use your experience, especially if you're hunting the same area or same property over and over. Mm -hmm. Take what you've learned and use that to your advantage. And like those freak deals like you were just talking about, like there's just one day where a deer does this, and you're like, oh, my goodness. I feel like if a deer does something, you have to see it several times in order to think, or you should see it several times before believing like this is what deer do. Yeah. Last, I've been hunting all my life. I've never seen a deer duck under a fence. I saw two deer do it last year. Mm -hmm. I saw... A doe do it under a gate, and I'm talking, like, lower than this coffee table, like 16 inches, and it ducked under. I saw a buck do it on a barbed wire fence that seven does jumped right before it, and it was just a little, like, a little basket rack eight, and it ducked underneath this fence. And I'm like, that was a much dumber way to go about it. I'm not going to see that and now hunt in low fence crossing areas and be like, my shot is going to be as it's ducking under a fence, you know. Like, you just have to learn and formulate a plan based on what you've, what you know, and what your past experience has been.
2: It's a quick thought thinking about that. I know, I mean, like, they have a the, their sense of smell is amazing. But thinking on that right there, the does are jumping it, you know, like, you're taking, if you're tracking something, say you're a bloodhound and you're following the scent trail of something. Do you think, in that instance, that buck may have been like, oh, I don't want to get off the scent trail. I, I mean, he can still smell them, obviously, but he just wanted to keep his nose that further much in and stay on the ground as much as he could. See,
0: I don't think – I I would say possibly yes if it was that time of year mm-hmm. or in that situation. This was a buck still in velvet, yeah, and okay. it was – Basically at the end of my driveway. Okay. So I'm driving and I see these deer crossing all the time mm-hmm. and I see them jump the fence in different spots or they'll like walk up the driveway where they don't have to jump a fence. Um, But it was just kind of a random, like I saw them, they all happened to be moving one direction, not necessarily chasing or anything like that. And it's like, they all just kind of nonchalantly prance across the road, huh. jump the fence. And then the buck did the same like speed, not, didn't seem like interested in the does at all, but just they were all going the same direction. Yeah. That's and, like, and then it just like, instead of jumping the fence, cause I love watching deer jump a fence. I don't know why it's cool. There is something unbelievable about it and it's majestic. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, but it, I was like, man, I'm going to get to see this buck jump the fence. It'll be cool. And then it literally just crouched down. I mean, like it was it like a cat, you know, when a cat like is in, uh, um, like stalking like mode. Yeah, yeah. Or like ready to pounce. It like crouched down that low and ducked under the lowest line on the
2: barbed wire That's insane. It was
0: so weird, man.
2: I think what makes it so cool watching a deer jump a fence is how their front legs and the whole front end of their body reacts to it because a deer's shoulder blades, they're not connected to their skeleton at all. Yeah. It's completely, it's free-floating. Yep. So it's like, there's a, I read a book once, as far as just like the biology of whitetails, and one of the longest recorded jumps that a whitetail ever made was off of a hillside. And from where it jumped on the side of the ridge down to the bottom, it jumped 40 yards damn near. Like it was booking it through the woods. Oh, yeah. And they just so happened to be there, perfect place, perfect time to document it. And they were like, that deer literally, like, granted at height, it probably jumped closer to like 25 or 30. But from that distance, 40 yards difference, and didn't phase it. Just kept running. You see them when they're running full speed. Oh, it's insane. And they jump, and it's
0: like, in your mind – If you had to put a million dollars on the line, like, hey, how far did it jump? Like, where its feet left to where it landed? Mm -hmm. You know, you'd probably be like, probably like 20 feet, man. Mm -hmm. But if you went out there and taped it. 15 or 20 yards probably. Yeah, Just a crazy distance. They are so, everything about them is, I mean, like, they are so athletic. They're so in tune with their senses. They're awesome animals. Yeah, you think
2: about it. I mean, how long has a whitetail been a whitetail since the evolution of whatever, Thing a white tail was right. I mean, they've been that way for a long damn time. Well, and they're they adapt so
0: well mm-hmm. to all different environments. Yep. You hear about them taking over a bunch of mule deer country yeah. and like pushing mule deer out or like competing with yeah, them. Yeah, they're way more aggressive food. than they are. Yeah, they're they're a really cool animal. They are. Well, I hate to cut this short. It's been an hour and 22 minutes, which is how long I slept last night. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to make sure you guys have time to do what you need to the rest of the day. Um, but I really appreciate you guys being on. It's this was a, yeah, we appreciate it was the a invite. lot of fun. And we could keep going for probably 12 hours straight. Oh, yeah. I think. World's
1: longest podcast.
0: I wonder if there's a record. We should look that up. We could make it happen. What we. if we did that? That'd be awesome. Yeah, I'm all about it. Um, before we hop off, I want you guys to have a chance to, um, share where people can find you. Like, what are you guys doing? You guys have your own podcast. I don't think we've even mentioned your podcast. Have we? I don't think we did. Yeah. So why don't you talk about that a little bit?
1: So if, uh, if you guys want to check us out, you can find us on social media, on Instagram at Buck and and Outdoors. And then on Facebook at Buck and and Outdoors. We, uh, we have a podcast. It's called the Buck and Strutton Podcast. It's on all major podcasting uh, platforms. You know, iTunes, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts. We uh, we we just really, it's just kind of this same kind of deal. We bring guests on. We talk all things hunting. We lean a little bit more towards towards whitetails and on the educational side on how to hunt them and how to get after them. But it's it's really just a Kind of a BS session, just a good time.
0: So you're saying it's just like my podcast, except they get two hosts for the price of one. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, awesome. <laughs> and
1: that's it, We uh, we also have a website as well, a uh, new website. We mm-hmm. kind of just got it up and running. I forget to talk about it sometimes. But it's uh, we, uh We're starting to pump out some articles on there. Just our experiences, nothing crazy, just some good reads if you're looking for something in your board.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Um, last chunk. We have covered just about anything and everything yeah. in this episode, but I like to give my guests a chance to get a final word in. I call this segment emptying the chamber. So whatever you want to share.
2: I mean, as far as the Joe Rogan chant that we went on earlier, I have to ask this question. You guys ever tried DMT before? Never. (laughs) Okay, I'm glad. I never have. I I see that on every Joe Rogan episode, or all these memes of it, and I'm just like, I've always wanted to get on a podcast. Oh, yeah. And just ask that. I feel like this is the appropriate setting for it, too.
0: Oh, all (laughs) right. I've heard, I mean, I hear him talk about that.
2: Oh, it's supposed to be crazy. You're supposed to
0: meet God or something. Well, I hear people talk about it, and I'm not an advocate for using any type of, like, substances or whatever. Like, that's just not me. I don't do it, but... When they talk about, like, hiking through the woods and feeling, like, the energy from living
2: things. (laughs) That just is weird, man. I get that off off watching Whitetails. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's It's like the picture of Arnold when all the animals are around him and he's just sitting there in the woods on the tree stump. I think it's just like, I feel one with nature right now. Yeah, I think of that. I think of Dr. Doolittle. Yeah. Like, just being able to (laughs) speak to things. And, like, I can
0: communicate with them and they're communicating back with me. But also, I feel like... The more time you spend in the outdoors, the more you feel that without needing any type of right. substance. Yeah. yeah, Like, there's times when I'm out in the woods, and I just know I need to look a certain direction. And all of a sudden, I look over, didn't hear anything, didn't see anything, didn't smell anything. Mm-hmm. I just feel like, and I need to know. And I look over, and there's an animal yeah. or something cool that I wouldn't have noticed had I been looking the other way.
1: Mm-hmm. It's not like sixth sense kind of thing.
0: Yeah. Well, they say... Someone can fact check this. I don't remember what it is, but they say that human beings can smell a rainstorm coming from uh, a rainstorm coming from over a hundred miles away. I believe it. I'm like that's it, it, same type of deal. It could be like just a an ancient thing that people had to worry about. You know, when they didn't have just permanent shelters kind of thing, or anything. yeah, yeah <laughs> it was a survival uh, technique or a survival skill. I don't know what you want to call it, but yeah. So no. <laughs> <laughs>
1: no. I didn't even know what that was until we started talking about it. So <laughs> the uh I mean, if I had to empty the chamber here, I, you know, honestly I I would just say that this bow season for everybody going out hunting have fun. You know, share the hunt with somebody that's never been out before and if you can make a difference, donate some meat if you're able. You know, give it to someone who's uh less
2: fortunate.
0: Nice. Those were polar opposites. Yeah, it yeah. I feel for like the I, I feel, the chamber. I feel
2: like a real asshole right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are a
0: turkey hunter, so uh, that's, uh, yeah. this is a true. Lot. I am the elite. <laughs> <laughs> am the elite. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, thanks again, guys, and we're gonna do this multiple more times. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. sure.
1: Thanks for having us on, man. Absolutely.
0: And that is going to wrap it up for today's episode of the show. I hope you guys enjoyed this one. I had so much fun sitting down and talking and these BS sessions where it goes a thousand different ways throughout the, throughout the talk. they're some of my favorites. It's kind of like an unfiltered, unedited, just hang out with a couple of their like-minded dudes. And so you guys need to be watching for what these guys put out over the next few weeks and months as hunting season is about to kick off and these guys chase whitetails in some of the coolest country in Missouri. And so keep an eye out because I've got a pretty good feeling that they're each going to connect with a big buck this year. But I hope to have a lot more sessions like this with those guys. Hopefully we can get out and they can show me what public land whitetail hunting right here in Missouri is all about. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to more stories. Anyways, If you guys want to support the podcast, I know I beat this drum all the time, but please leave a review and a rating. Also buy some stickers. Those are the best ways to help support the podcast, spread the word, and get this content in front of more people. I hope you guys are enjoying it and want to support in that way. But until next time, always choose adventure, and God bless.